Thank you for listening to Temporary Circumstances. I'm your host, Alina Sowers, a licensed professional counselor in Ohio. And I'm your co-host, Cora Mayfield, a licensed professional clinical counselor in Ohio. In this podcast, we will discuss many uncommon topics on all matters mental health. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to assess, diagnose, or treat a mental illness. For those services, please contact your local mental health provider. Today, we're going to talk about dissociative identity disorder. It's a bit of a controversial disorder and was formerly known as multiple personalities disorder. It's characterized by the presence of two or more distinct personality states or an experience of possession and recurrent episodes of amnesia. The defining feature of dissociative identity disorder is the presence of two or more distinct personality states, which may be described in some cultures as an experience of possession. This disruption in identity involves a change in self, and it can be accompanied by different alterations in behavior, consciousness, memory, cognition, the person's perception, their affect, or their sensory and motor functioning. These signs and symptoms may be observed by others or reported by the person themselves. When we're talking about different personality states, we are talking about something that can be so completely different that it can be as extreme as perhaps different personalities having different handwriting or needing a different prescription for their glasses. Um, Or some personalities might be right-handed, whereas a different personality may be left-handed, for example. There's recurrent gaps in the recall of everyday events, important personal information or traumatic events that are inconsistent with just normal forgetfulness. And these symptoms cause clinically significant distress or impairment in various areas of functioning. They're not explained by cultural or religious norms, and they're not attributable to the psychological effects of substances or another medical condition. And if we're talking about children, we are not talking about things that are better explained by things like fantasy play. The DSM tells us that dissociative disorders are frequently found in the aftermath of trauma. Many of the symptoms, including embarrassment and confusion about the symptoms or the desire to hide them, are influenced by the proximity to the trauma. So when we're saying that it's found in the aftermath of trauma, sometimes what that looks like later in life isn't necessarily that a trauma occurs, then there's dissociation so much as the trauma creates the need to protect oneself. And a dissociation is basically protecting oneself versus this trauma, versus these thoughts, versus these feelings. So people with dissociative identity disorder or DID, as we said, they experience um, that loss of self in a sense. They also experience recurrent inexplicable intrusions into their conscious functioning. So they may hear some voices, dissociated actions and speech. They might have intrusive thoughts, or they may behave very impulsively at times. Their attitudes, preferences, and feelings might change. They may feel like they're not their own. Or there may even be odd changes in perception. 
So this could be depersonalization or derealization, such as feeling detached from your body while cutting, for example. Some individuals may report that their bodies feel different, like a small child, like the opposite gender, or huge and muscular. Alterations in the sense of self and loss of personal agency may be accompanied by feelings of those attitudes, emotions, and behaviors, even one's body, that are not mine or not under my own control. Someone might actually look in the mirror and feel like they are not looking at themselves when they experience this disorder. And then we also have the dissociative amnesia that comes along with this disorder as well. In this, we see it in three primary ways. So number one is we see gaps in memory um, of personal life events. So maybe periods of childhood or adolescence that the person doesn't remember, um, or it could be something as big as getting married, giving birth, uh, important life events that the person's missing. Number two could be lapses in dependable memory. So what happened today? Skills that were learned um, that include things like how to do the person's job, user computer, drive, things like that. And number three could be discovery of evidence that their everyday actions and tasks that they don't recollect engaging in or doing. So maybe finding unexplained objects in their shopping bags, among other possessions, or finding perplexing drawings or writings that they must have created, uh, or maybe even discovering injuries on themselves or coming to it per se in the midst of doing something. Now we're talking specifically about dissociative identity disorder, which again, used to be called multiple personalities. Um, it's an interesting disorder and I think there's been a lot of interest in it. But dissociation itself doesn't just mean dissociative identity or multiple personalities. There's lots of different disorders that have dissociation as a part of that. Um, it could be trauma. It could be bipolar disorders. It could be depression and anxiety. All of those things can have an element of dissociation. There are other dissociative disorders, such as dissociative amnesia, depersonalization, derealization disorder, that would also fall into this category. Um, so dissociation happens across a broad span of disorders, and dissociation happens to people who don't meet the criteria for any mental health disorder just on a particular day. They, they find themselves dissociating. I think the difference is with this particular disorder is we're really looking at those at least two distinct personalities that come with that dissociation that we're talking about. So this disorder is not very common. The DSM says that in the U.S., a study showed about 1.5 12-month prevalence rate for this disorder. Over 70% of outpatient clients with dissociative identity disorder have attempted suicide. Multiple attempts are common, and other self-injury and those types of behaviors are frequent. Now, as we talk about that, assessment for suicide risk could be complicated if someone doesn't remember past suicidal behavior or when the presenting identity does not feel suicidal and is unaware of other identities who are suicidal. 
as I mentioned previously, dissociative disorders are about feelings of unsafe and associated with trauma. So a lot of times the assessment of suicide risk and creating safety is about creating a sense of safety for all parts of the person who's experiencing dissociative identity disorder. And on that note, it is common for people to not know about some other personalities that exist. So we do have to be mindful of that. And as Cora said, make a plan for all different parts that are there as much as we can, of course. Associative identity disorders as a whole are not necessarily common, but they aren't actually rare either. Statistics on alternate personalities have risen over time, which may come from better knowledge and understanding of the condition, along with fewer cases of misdiagnosis. So the average number of personalities uh, in in dissociative identity disorder is two to four upon the initial diagnosis. But the average number of personalities in someone who has been in treatment for some time is closer to 13 to 15 over the entire course of treatment. This is according to the recovery village. It is unusual, but there have been cases in which more than 100 personalities have been reported. As previously mentioned, individuals who are victims of trauma, such as past violence and mistreatment, are at an elevated risk for developing dissociative identity disorder. Dissociative symptoms originate to help a person deal with the distressing and traumatic memories. Risk factors for dissociative identity disorder include severe abuse, recurrent neglect, natural disasters, and past trauma in childhood. Dissociation um, has sometimes been, just dissociation itself has sometimes been related to the freeze in the fight, flight, or freeze of a, 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 a stress response. So that freeze creates a dissociation, which also creates the memory gap itself. Not all dissociation in a fight, flight, or freeze become dissociative identity disorder, but it does create a bit of a memory gap. In the reported cases in the U.S., Canada, and Europe, approximately 90% of people with this condition had experienced abuse or neglect in childhood. In the past, Some treatment has focused on integrating personalities into one whole, but that's not necessarily true of what we believe now. And as we've mentioned before, this is not true for IFS, internal family systems. IFS welcomes different parts with the goal of releasing those parts from their extreme roles and restoring trust within the self. And again, it would make sense if we are working with someone who has experienced a lot of trauma or a lot of stressful events in the past, it it might make sense to work on that trauma and those pieces, as that is the underlying issue, perhaps, underneath that dissociative identity disorder. So we may do some trauma work. We could do some EMDR or something like that with this disorder. Medications are not necessarily used to treat this disorder itself, but they may be prescribed to treat specific symptoms such as anxiety or depression. Thank you for joining us to talk about DID.
Thanks for listening to Temporary Circumstances. Find us on Instagram and leave us a review wherever you found us. Bye.